Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I'm your host, JC Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always is my good buddy, my co-host, the godfather of lending, Mr. Paul Peebles, national underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Paulie, how are you feeling today? I am fired up, fired up. A beautiful day outside. Economy's doing well. Interest rates are low. Great jobs feeling. report was amazing today. Jobs reports. People are, are trying to get everybody back to work. Everybody that can work, work, so to speak. So we're excited about uh, today's episode. And we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the battle of the area. So JC, kick us off. It's the Battle of the Metro, folks, Nashville versus Austin. I am really excited about this episode. Well, you know, Paul and I were talking and we were looking at the data and, you know, the most watched episode that we did was an episode that we did back when, where we did a Battle of the Metros, Atlanta versus Dallas, uh, the real big boy metros. But uh, because that episode was so watched, uh, we were talking with our friends at CoStar, uh, CoStar again. We decided to make this a little sub-series, and we, guys, if you're listening out there, guys and girls, we have got a great episode for you today. You know, in the world of apartments, we are always looking for the next greatest market to invest in, and today we've got two of the best top up-and-coming markets uh, that, we, that we know of, and we've got two, um, two guys from CoStar here that are going to talk to you about what is going on in their metros, why they're so such spectacular up and coming metros. And we're going to do a battle of the metros. We're going to put these two metros against each other and see who comes out on top and who doesn't. So without any further ado, we've got the battle of the metros, uh, Nashville versus Austin. Let's introduce uh, Mr. Sam Tenenbaum and Alex Koch of CoStar uh, to the show. Guys, welcome to the show and thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Let's get it started with just maybe a 20-second intro for each of you on what you guys do at CoStar. Sure. So uh, both Alex and I are uh, analysts and economists for the CoStar Group, which is the country's largest commercial real estate data source. You're probably familiar with us. If you're not familiar with CoStar, you're probably familiar with one of our brands, be that Apartments.com or LoopNet. Uh, We have a number of other businesses that exist, but those are probably the most relevant to uh, the investor class. Yes, that's absolutely right. And Alex, please introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, so I'm Alexander Takach and also market analyst uh, for CoStar. I cover markets all across Tennessee, Alabama, and Mississippi. So excited to just get out there and prove that uh, Nashville is the best metro. I love it. I love it. Well, this is the Battle of Metro, folks. So uh, these two guys are going to be going at it a little bit. And, uh, you know, there's not going to be any lost love today for uh, for these guys. And they're out to show... Uh, you know, who's got the best data metrics. And, you know, speaking of data, guys, all you viewers out there, you know, Paul and I are big on uh, not listening to talking heads. We talk about this all the time, but we are all about looking at the data to look for the real answers in terms of how you should be making smart investments. And so CoStar is, is one of those companies that you need to be aware of and you need to check out. CoStar is one of the leading apartment metrics, apartment analytics providers in the nation. And so uh, we're pleased and, uh, and grateful that they spend some time with us and educate us. But let's get right to, down to it, guys. We're going to talk about these metros. So let's start off with why are each of your metros, again, Austin and Nashville, 
why are each of your Mestros so hot right now? And we're going to go ahead and give Sam the first opportunity to make his <laughs> First is always best, right, JC? Yes. Uh, so Austin is uh, hot for a number of reasons. It's uh, not only the fastest growing metropolitan area in terms of population, but over the past year, or over the past three years, rather, it's been named the best uh, place to live by U.S. News and World Report. That three years running as the best place to live. It's affordable. It's cool. It's got live music. It's got everything you want. And on top of that, it's, it's the best place for tech workers to live outside of the Bay Area. Their, their adjusted salaries are actually higher in Austin when you adjust for the cost of living than any place in America. Uh, and so it's really, to me, Austin starts, the story of Austin starts with the University of Texas, which has the number two rated uh, computer science program globally outside of a university in Beijing. It's, it's the best computer science program. And because it's a public university, I think it's something like 50,000 students, uh, maybe a little bit less, but around there, you know, they graduate a huge graduating class and put those people directly to work. Uh, for companies like Facebook, Google, Apple, Oracle, fill in the blank tech company, they probably either have an office here or are looking to find an office here. Yeah, it's such, it's such an amazing point. I mean, jobs are one of the number one drivers for apartment growth. And if you want to be in the apartment business, you're going to want to look for a place where there's plenty of jobs and tech jobs are amazing jobs. So that is, that is absolutely the case. All right. So Alex, back over to you now. Let's talk about it now. Why is Nashville such a hot market right now? Well, Nashville benefits from a lot of the same things that a lot of Southern metros do. So once again, you have affordability compared to other regions. Uh, you have strong job growth, um, which is kind of banking off of that affordability. So it's not just affordable for people moving there uh, relative to New York or to California, but also for businesses as well. Um, they can kind of save once you calculate the cost of living and the tax rates and all that. Um, Nashville has been giving out a lot of corporate incentives, job relocation incentives uh, to try to attract companies too. So that's helping, you know, facilitate a lot of that job growth. And uh, I mean, like I said, just strong job and population growth, kind of a chicken and the egg scenario though. It's like, are jobs coming because there's so many people or are the people coming for the jobs? Um, and then when talking about investment, uh, I mean, Nashville still has pretty high cap rates when you're thinking about, you know, investing in a metro. So traditional markets such as New York or Chicago or even LA, uh, you can get a much bigger relative bargain in Nashville. So I think that's why there's so much activity and in investment, not only, you know, ground up construction, but also value add renovations, et cetera. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that I would say that both of these metros have in common, and if you guys have spent any, any of you viewers out there have spent any time in either Nashville or Austin is they are uh, magnets for millennials. They really have a really great uh, feel for what the millennials uh, like to see and what they like to feel. I mean, if you've been to uh, downtown Nashville or downtown Austin, these are just vibrant, young, hip places to be. And so I, I think that that's actually part of the, of the story of these metros as well, is that we're really seeing sort of the next generation of, of, this, of this country uh, sort of wanting to be uh, in these types of places, but okay, so let's go to the second question guys, because I think this is, this is bringing it back home to the apartment, uh, business, the apartment market here. So, um, you know, Alex, why don't we start with you first? So, you know, how is the apartment market doing, uh, in Nashville? You know, do we have, uh, a good amount of, of, uh, of, of balanced, uh, supply demand? What's, what are things looking like over there? Right. Well, 
Nashville does have one of the largest apartment supply pipelines in the country when you're looking at percentage of inventory. Uh, so I believe right now um, about 7% of Nashville's existing stock is going to be coming online over the next several quarters uh, through, you know, ground up new builds. Sort of equates to around 8,900 units. Uh, so when you think about a growth rate that fast, it always kind of brings into questions, oh, is it oversupplied? Oh, can demand keep up? Uh, well, I've been covering Nashville for over a year and every quarter we've said, oh, I, I think this is going to be it. You know, vacancies are going to rise. Rent growth is going to slow. There's no way that these apartments are going to fill up. And then every quarter they fill up, you know, vacancies continue to tighten. Rent growth remains, uh, remains fairly strong. So that's the thing. I mean, when you look at lease up rates across, uh, you know, various parts of Nashville, you're having 20 to 25 units a month downtown. Some of the outlying counties or, you know, suburban areas, you're seeing 15 to 20 units. Um, and like I said, vacancies just continue to tighten. So even though Nashville continues to see a lot of apartment deliveries every quarter and every year, um, it's still a very tight market when you think about, you know, relative to historical norms. All right, Sam. So you're up, man. Let's talk about it. So how is the apartment market doing in Austin? And, uh, you know, what is your situation with uh, supply demand? I want to go back to an earlier point you made, JC, about millennials start there. Uh, so I was just actually, I just came off giving a presentation to some folks here in Austin where we, we were just looking at sort of the age breakdown in Austin. Uh, and it's, it's kind of wild. About 75% of all people in Austin are under the age of 50. That number drops to about 50% or under the age of 35. That's, that's remarkable and way more than the broader U.S. has. And so it really is a young, dynamic market. Uh, not to say that Nashville isn't dynamic. It's certainly a dynamic place in the country. Uh, but I think there are a few places around the country that, that can really mirror what's happening in Austin right now. Uh, Austin is, is really, it's in a really interesting place. It's, it's one of the few markets that has actually had a cycle within a cycle. So vacancies kicked up uh, earlier this cycle to double, almost double digits, uh, but they've come down pretty remarkably since then. The construction pipeline has, has died down a little bit, uh, although it's picking back up again with some really good rent growth numbers that we're seeing. Uh, but broadly speaking, today's market is really healthy, around 7% vacancy, you know, three plus percent rent growth over the past year, supply and demand mostly in balance. Um, of course, you know, construction is always uh, always a concern everywhere in the South. And, and like I mentioned, it's starting to pick back up. But, you know, if, if the market continues to hum along and, and keep adding the number of jobs and the types of jobs that the market has been adding, you know, companies like Google have doubled down on their space. Oracle has built almost a million square feet in two years. Uh, first phase was 500,000. Second phase, they're just wrapping up or should be wrapping up in early 2020. At, at 450,000 square feet. I mean, we're seeing companies double down. You know, you mentioned Smile Direct Clubhouse. You know, they're they're adding 850 warehouse jobs in South Austin. I mean, there's there's growth everywhere in Austin, and it's been really remarkable to watch. Yeah, that that's so amazing, and I, and I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of the the technology sector, and and Austin is like. It's like a little mini Silicon Valley is what it is. And it's only growing uh, because it's just so much more affordable than, uh, you know, than being uh, here in the Silicon Valley where I'm based. It's just such Absolutely. a much more expensive uh, place to do business and a much more expensive place for the, uh, the employees and the, and, the, and the technology workers to actually yeah. live. Right? I moved here from, Bo I moved to Austin from Boston about three years ago. And I was living in a really cool apartment in Boston but when I moved to Austin, I moved within walking distance to downtown, part of in the South Congress neighborhood of Austin, which is the coolest, most, 
you know, sort of fun area, kind of live, work, definitely live, work, play, all the amenities you could want within walking distance. And my rent was half of what I was paying in Boston. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And if you think about what that means for, for real people, right? You know, let's say you're part of your, you know, you and your wife are, are married, you know, you get recruited by Google to come move to Austin to do some really cool thing. You know, you can, you can move, your wife can quit her job and have zero impact on the household bottom line, right? You're making the same amount of money. Even if you're making, if you're making the exact same amount of money, there is zero impact on the bottom line, you know, because my wife and I in Boston were splitting rent. Here, we didn't have to split rent. I could just pay the whole rent. It got us a whole apartment, really cool, awesome location, way newer than what I was getting in Boston. And I'm paying half of what I was paying in, in there. And it, it's- And no remarkable. state income tax either. Plus that, yeah, plus no state income tax really helps. Oh, you guys- So you have, you have two, uh, two large music themed areas and I can't think of a, of a better two markets to uh, compare to each other between Nashville the kind of the music capital of the world and the South by South by Southwest, Austin, Texas. And Don't forget about Austin city limits brings you know, upwards city limits, of like okay, 400,000 people to Austin. Right. All these different companies, the high technology companies that are, they're working their way to Texas from say California or, or Boston, as you say, yeah. talk a little bit about cap rates. If you can talk a little bit about, uh, you know, valuations of, of per units on these class, B properties or class C properties. Tell us a little bit about some of the competition out there. What are you seeing for actual apartments? Yeah. So because of, because of the growth we've had here in Austin, it's been uh, really remarkable to watch the growth in prices. Obviously, you know, it's a really healthy and sexy market for a lot of people. And so prices are naturally going up as a result. You know, you can still find way better deals than if you're looking for elsewhere in the country, but you know, this isn't 2015 anymore, you know, but life isn't easy. It's a little harder to make deals work uh, now in particular. And so, you know, we're seeing B and C product trade for, you know, pretty expensive pricing. Um, I'm not sure what, what Nashville charges, but it's, you know, in the, you can see stuff trade anywhere between like 70 to $120,000 a door, which is really pricey for B and C products. Uh, in particular, you know, if you, especially if you compare it to a market like Dallas, where, you know, the pricing is a little less, uh, I don't want to say outrageous, but it's a little less pricey. And I think part of the issue in Austin is Austin really didn't become a city until, a big city at least, until the 90s when the tech boom happened, right? It really was sort of the sleepy college town. It's the state capital of Texas. So you have UT and the state government. Uh, and because it wasn't really a huge city, you didn't really get this huge glut of 80s product, 80s vintage product, because there was no one here. There, you know, they really didn't need a whole lot of extra housing in Austin you know, through the 80s, like you might have in Dallas or in Houston. And so we didn't see that huge building boom in the 80s, which didn't didn't lead to the the huge uh, sort of inventory available for B and C product, which is why we've seen that that price price increases year over year over year over year. Alex, what are you thinking about? What what's kind of an average B and C property in the Nashville Franklin areas? Uh, well, I would agree with Sam. Uh, we've seen you know a lot of pricing appreciation across the B and C class assets. Uh, very similar to Austin, though, as well. I think uh, B and C unrenovated properties would go for between seventy and you know one hundred twenty thousand a unit. Um, some of the renovated stuff in you know Franklin or Williamson County some of the affluent areas, they, that can start pushing up between 150 
uh, or more for a stabilized property. So the pricing appreciation has definitely been there. Uh, but different from Austin is that Nashville, about a quarter of their apartment stock was built in the 1980s. So while a lot of these uh, properties have been you know, well-maintained and kept up, uh, there is a lot of stock out there that could pose uh, potential you know, value-add plays or just buying a B or C class stabilized asset and continuing to get those, you know, inflationary plus rent growth uh, numbers. Um, you know, everyone talks kind of about, oh, like what is class A doing? What's their rent growth? What's their occupancy? Um, but B and C class assets, although they are getting less absorption, you know, annual absorption than the class A stuff, uh, they're seeing much stronger cumulative rent growth because as a whole cohort, class B and C is maintaining a stabilized vacancy rate then they're seeing you know three or four percent annual rent growth and so that's then leading to some people aren't even seeing the need to go in and value add because you have these well-maintained properties that are 90 or 95 percent occupied and you buy them for you know a buck 70 a door or a buck 50 a door uh in an affluent area um and then just keep reaping those cash flows so let's talk about rent growth guys I and mean, we, we talked about you know pricing and sort of cap rates and stuff what are you guys seeing for rent growth in your respective metros i'll let you guys pick who goes first Alex, go for it. All right, I'll jump in on that. Um, so Nashville is still seeing really, really strong rent growth, um, despite you know all the supply that's coming online. So overall, metro-wide, they're seeing about 3.5% uh, annual rent growth, which is, I mean, w well above inflation. It's, you know, real dollars uh, of rent increases. But then, like I alluded to earlier, um, the B and C class assets are really driving a lot of that growth over the past few years. Um, due to the fact that, well, like we said, uh, so much Class A stock came online and concessions were pretty high, uh, especially uh, in and across the urban core. So those B and C class assets have maintained very stable vacancy rates around, you know, four to six percent. And then uh, just, you know, continuously reaping those benefits. Uh, what is interesting, though, and I completely agree with the point that, yeah, once you do have a lot of concessions with Class A stock, uh, you know, Class B renters may change and I decide to move up. Um, but there is a little bit of a location disparity with what's going on. Uh, all the new construction is being built downtown and in the urban core, and that's not where they were building in the 1980s. Uh, so a lot of those B and C class properties from the 70s and 80s are more in your suburban areas um, and you're kind of far out, uh, more blue collar locales. And so those won't be, you know, directly competing with the class A stock uh, in a sense. So I do think that when workers want to live close to where they work, um, if they're not working downtown, then they may not want to move out to the suburbs or move downtown and then have to drive a commute the other direction. But by and large, I mean, rent growth is remaining very, very strong uh, throughout Nashville. And uh, we do foresee it to kind of start to slow down in the coming years, uh, just coinciding with the slowing economic and population growth forecast. Um, but we still have rent growth, even in the outer years of our forecast, remaining positive. So that's a, a favorable story, I think. Yeah, Sam. Yeah. Talk about it, it, man. In Austin, it's it's actually very similar rent growth. I think I actually just pulled up the numbers before we hopped on the call. Where we're both over the past year in the past 12 months up 3.3 percent, both in Austin and Nashville. Surprisingly, right dead even uh, right there. But uh, you know, the Class B stuff in Austin is growing at four and a half five percent over the past year. That's a really healthy number. The the B and C stuff, or the, sorry, the C stuff, um, from what I've heard anecdotally is plagued by uh, some some underlying issues in is to who's occupying that kind of stuff. There isn't a ton of C inventory in Austin anymore in general. And so that kind of 
affects the overall uh, the rent growth numbers there, but there, it's still a, a really healthy market. And as, as for an outlook, um, we, we actually have, you know, we produced five-year forecasts, actually 10-year forecasts. So, you know, beyond five years or really beyond three years, it's kind of, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But as Alex mentioned, we do, we do project the slowdown. But of all the markets, of all the major markets in the country, often we're projected to have the fifth best rent growth over the next four years. Uh, and in Nashville, it's the fifth best. So, you know, right on, right on par with each other, uh, a little bit stronger outlook for Austin, 2.1% average annual forecast rent growth for Austin uh, versus 1.9 for Nashville, but not a huge difference. And certainly you could see one outperforming, you know, flip-flopping over the next few years as, as real estate fundamentals change. Yeah, this is such great information, you know. So let's talk let's talk about the next thing that we want to talk about here. Number 4 is so why don't you guys talk about some of the hot and up and coming areas, uh, you know, micro markets uh in your respective uh, you know, cities and and kind of where you like uh you like to look for uh for the next big investments or good investments. Sure. Uh there I mean there's a lot of when you when you grow at the at the rate that both Nashville and Austin have grown, there's inevitably fast growing little pockets everywhere around each one of the markets that I know Alex, I'm sure you've got your, your favorites. Uh, I happen to live in, and believe in the story of East Austin. Uh, it's a really rapidly gentrifying area. Uh, and, and Southeast Austin is where Oracle is, is building there. I get, like I mentioned earlier, almost million square foot campus. Um, and across the street from that, there's this huge project that's about to about to go, it's, it's nicknamed the domain on Riverside. The domain is a, a big famous mixed use development here in Austin. Um, and it's, it's gonna be a huge development uh, taking off uh, in Southeast Austin, which just triggers a whole lot of growth in and around sort of the East and Southeast areas of Austin. We're also starting to see some growth on the value add side, uh, kind of north of 183 around Lamar and some of the 80s vintage products there. It's been renovated once, but it was sort of, you know, renovated from a B minus to maybe a B or maybe a C plus to a B uh, to now maybe to a B to a B plus or an A minus. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the real play that folks are making on the value add side right now. Uh, but I mean, there's, there's growth everywhere in Austin and anywhere you look is, is really a, a good, a good spot. Alex, same question, buddy. All right. Well, I don't think it would surprise anyone to hear that the hottest area currently and for the past few years has been downtown Nashville. Um, for the past couple of years, it's averaged uh, about 40% of Nashville's total supply pipeline has been located downtown. So adding a ton of units, uh, just that coincides with, you know, the rise in office using workers, the rise in all the jobs down there, increased walkability. Um, you have a true pretty much live, work, play environment uh, you know, cultivated throughout downtown Nashville. Um, but as all those neighborhoods surrounding Nashville continue to grow and evolve and change, um, we are seeing kind of development push out into areas that, you know, a few years ago weren't hotbeds for development at all. And then we're also seeing um, some of those B and C class assets in, in and around those areas um, really start seeing a lot of momentum too, just kind of fueling and funneling off of uh, all the new development going on and that new kind of class of people moving in. So, I mean, two areas I want to point out would be Wilson County and East Nashville. Uh, so both are to the east of downtown. But Wilson County has a big industrial footprint, a lot of distribution facilities out there, uh, manufacturing as well. So 
for those garden style, you know, 1980s or 1990s complexes, um, I, those have been per performing really, really well. But then also East Nashville too, uh, kind of downtown Nashville is weird because it has the river uh, right next to it. But east of the river, other than the football stadium, there's not a whole lot of activity right there. Um, there's a new project, uh, River North, I believe it's called. Some developers just purchased a, a bunch of acres, and they're going to try to pretty much extend the city and the whole downtown feel east of the river. So I think as downtown, uh, it's a very tight geographic area. So as it becomes just more congested and more um, you know, busy, I do think that things are going to try to start pushing a little bit east of that of that river and try to be incorporating more of that city-like feel. Um, but I mean, I think it's just, you follow population growth, right? And while downtown does have a lot of the momentum, there are so many counties across Nashville that have been growing at a pace similar to the metro-wide average or even faster. Uh, Murray County to the south has a huge GM plant. They've seen their population growth uh, outpace Nashville's metro-wide average. Same with Rutherford County to the south. And I mean, these are you know, quieter, more uh, industrialized areas, um, definitely very suburban areas, but they're still seeing a lot of strong population growth, which is not only going to benefit new stock, but also some of that older stock as well. So, you know, I mean, look, it, these, both of these metros have such great stories, such great growth stories, and you guys have talked a lot about the goodness of these markets, but let's, let's throw a little bit of a curveball your way. Why don't you guys tell us where you think you're concerned in each of your markets? Where should, should any potential investors or, or apartment owners are looking to do, uh, you know, open up shop in your metros. What, what should they look out for here coming up over the next couple of years? I mean, I, I think at least for me, anywhere in the South, it's going to be the supply pipeline. Uh, right now, Austin, it had its, its peak levels of construction back in, in 14 and 15. Uh, but we're, we're quickly reapproaching that with, with the solid growth the market has had over the past couple of years. And we notched almost 4% rent growth in 2018. And like I mentioned, we're at 3.3%, you know, thus far into December, you know, those are, those are really encouraging numbers and, and means, you know, some folks are going to, are going to break out the shovels again. The nice part about in Austin is a lot of the, a lot of the construction right now is mid rise or high rise, which is typically concrete product involves some amount of concrete, which typically takes, way longer than your typical suburban uh, garden style or stick built property, which, you know, is a lot easier to throw up. It's just wood. You ship it all in, you know, house it on the site and then build, you know, a building and then another building and then another building and then another building. Whereas if you're building mid-rise or high-rise product, you got one building, that's it, right? It's not multiple buildings. So, you know, you sort of, once you turn the lights on for a mid-rise product, it's all on. And once you turn the, you know, the lights on for, you know, garden style project, it's, you know, maybe a tenth of the project, maybe six of the project, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly low proportion for one building for the overall, overall property. So it's, it's worth watching uh, the construction pipeline uh, in Austin. I'm also a little bit worried, uh, or I can see how, you know, over-regulation around tech could certainly affect Austin, given sort of that it is Austin's major growth driver. It, it does certainly impact, uh, what's going on in, in the tech world if, if we do decide to, you know, really tighten, tighten the noose around, around, uh, around big tech. Mm -hmm. Alex, same question, man. What, what are you concerned about in Nashville here moving forward? Uh, so definitely it would be, I have two things. Uh, first though would be the supply pipeline. Uh, like I said, one of the busiest pipelines in the country, I believe it's the fourth uh, most as a percent of existing inventory. So, when you have all those units coming online, 
Uh, if demand doesn't keep up for whatever reason, then uh, as we said earlier, that can definitely have a ripple effect down to class B and C stock uh, as well. So um, if you're having you know, 8,900 units deliver over a year or two, then if job growth slows or population growth slows for some expected or unexpected reason, that could start rising concessions and like a, that same conversation we talked about earlier. Um, I will say though, I, uh, I agree with Sam. So peak supply is likely behind Nashville um, for this economic expansion. In 2017, we had over 7,500 units come online just that year. So that would be, you know, 75% of the current pipeline now. Uh, construction timeframes in Nashville are getting much longer. Uh, in addition to a lot of the mid and high rise projects that are being built, you know, concrete built, like we just talked about, um, construction crews in Nashville are at a very, very, you know, slim pickings. You have a ton of office development, you have a ton of industrial development, you have a ton of multifamily development. So when you have, when you have to start pulling, you know, construction crews from neighboring states, I've even heard, like anecdotally, uh, I was talking to a developer uh, who had to hire construction crews out of Kentucky just so they could have people on the job working. Um, that's definitely going to, you know, extend your construction time frame. So those things should probably help, uh, you know, like I said, in a given economic downturn, it should probably help the market. Um, but one thing that could lead to slowing job or population growth uh, is really just a lack of public transit. So mm. Nashville, for, you know, as fast as it's growing, uh, really doesn't have that level of comprehensive public transit, whether it be buses or trains, um, to kind of move people from downtown to the suburbs. Uh, so very car-dependent metro when you're looking at the metro uh, as a whole. And so as more people move there, uh, I believe it's about 82 new residents a day in Nashville uh, for 2018 and projected 2019. So when you have that many new people moving in, a lot of them choosing to you know, work downtown and then live in the suburbs or what have you, the roads just get more and more congested. And that you know, slow traffic and uh, you know, longer commute times could start to potentially uh, limit you know, what companies want to move to Nashville and what people want to you know, leave a congested Boston or a congested New York for a congested Nashville. So I do think that could create a possible headwind for job or population growth. And then, like I said, if that slows, uh, the runoff effect it'll have on Class A absorption and concessions and Class B absorption, um, that could, we could start seeing that. Yeah. Polly, man, I mean, we've, we've covered so much ground today, and it was such a, such a great show. Um, gosh, I mean, it, it, I think the net net of what we've heard today, really, in this battle of the metros, Nashville versus Austin, is that these guys, these cities are just like twin, twin almost like twin sisters. Uh, you know, they're, they're very similar in nature. Um, in fact, I mean, gosh, you, you, you can call looking. it the, the Johnny Cash is like, uh, you know, your, is your Nashville and maybe like, Will, you know, do you like Willie Nelson? Do you like Austin or do you like Johnny Cash, right? I mean, it, they're both amazing artists. And, um, you know, Polly, what, what do you say, Polly? The heart of America, both Nashville and Austin. I can't think Absolutely. of two better metros, you know, so much population growth, so much opportunities in both areas for education, for, you know, the schools, both, both uh, cities both in jobs. I mean, unfortunately up here in Dallas is that if you send your children to University of Texas, uh, good luck getting them back to to <laughs> Dallas because they love it so much. I'm sure the same thing happens in Nashville too. All the people that uh, move to Nashville, they're, they're always difficult to try to get uh, out of Nashville. So some great opportunities. Guys, if people want to get more information about CoStar, what's the best way for them to get a, in, in contact with CoStar? Sure. If you visit our website, www.costar.com, that's C-O-S-T-A-R.com, 
phenomenal resource for data, uh, particularly on the apartments field. One of the things we didn't mention is obviously those, those apartment feeds that we get in from apartments.com feed our rental data, which means we can give you up to the minute, up to the day, up to the, you know, every, you can watch a, a history of rents in Austin over time daily for the last, you know, three or four years, which is a really unparalleled data set that allows, you know, you to make best insights and gather the best insights possible. Uh, but www.costar.com is the best place to find more information. Right at the bottom there, you'll see some contact information for some folks. Uh, reach out and uh, get to know us better. Fantastic. We certainly do like uh, CoStar, and we do very much appreciate you guys spending some time with us. We'll kind of see you down the road uh, in future uh, podcasts to kind of talk a little bit about uh, what's going on maybe for for next year. So we would appreciate you coming back on. Uh, JC, if people want to get more information about what you do, and, and again, what is what do you do, JC? What do we do? What do we do? Well, the first thing we do is we love to help people. You know, this is why Paul and I started this uh, video podcast is that we love to help people. And, uh, and we have been helping investors at Multifamily Proper Group uh, make smart multifamily investment decisions for the last 13 years. We've been in business for 13 years, and we are a full market cycle company, which means that we were buying and, uh, and, and uh, renovating and owning apartments before the Great Recession. And we've been there after the Great Recession. You know, one of the things that we've learned uh, from the Great Recession is that it's really important to be aware of not only what can go right with these properties, because we certainly had a great run, but you got to be aware of what also can go wrong. And so we are here uh, as a company to first and foremost, be a source of information. So if any of you listeners out there, any of you viewers, uh, want to get into apartments and you're not sure where to start, head over to our uh, apartment uh, website, multifamilypropertygroup.com. Go to the contact us section and request a free 50-minute consultation. And uh, we will be happy to sit down with you and see how we can best help you out. Polly, what do you got going on your side of the fence? Don't forget January 15th, if you can, RSVP. Uh, we'll actually have CoStar in the house. We're going to be talking to the, the gentleman that uh, is the analyst for CoStar up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's going to give us a kind of a, a overview on a, uh, on a micro level of what's going on in DFW and Texas. Then we're going to have uh, the famous Greg Willett from RealPage, who's going to give us a national perspective. So January 15th, we'd love to see you there. So there'll be about two, 300 people. Great networking opportunity besides getting educated about what's going on in these different areas in Texas and in the nation. So go to oldcapitalpodcast.com, oldcapitalpodcast.com, and then don't forget to listen to the Old Capital Podcast whenever you have a second. Again, great source of information about what's going on. It is an audio podcast found on iTunes. Don't forget about that. Again, we appreciate the guys coming in from CoStar. What a, some great information on two very vibrant areas. We do love both those areas uh, for investing in. Can't think of anything you know, better in those two uh, geographic areas than Austin and San Antonio or Austin and Nashville, great areas. Again, I'm Paul Peebles. That's JC Castile. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate that.